Welcome to our week ahead podcast. Tell me about last week. Last week, last week we were in Madison, weren't we? I mean, that, that was a, that was a great time. You were there. True. Yeah. That was kind of the highlight of the week. It was. Definitely. I mean, we, we got the staff together for the first time. So that, that was nice for you and Jason to meet. And we got a, we got a ton of work done. I mean, we really, I, you know, my goal was to make a pivot between getting you and Jason oriented and like really digging in and, and getting to work. And so we talked about Black Friday parking. We talked about, uh, you know, how we're going to end the year this year, some of the, some of the other programs we're working on. And so I, I left there just enthused. If that wasn't good enough, we had this awesome member meetup, which you, you recorded last week for the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, that was uh, how invigorating. I mean, I've been, I've been on the road now for a few years sharing this message in different places and to see the size of the group showing up and the enthusiasm of people, uh, it's just really invigorating. I, I got a ton of energy out of that group in Madison. There, there's so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we have a lot of really active members in that area who are sharing the strong towns message and also just working to make their places a lot better. And Madison's a pretty cool place already. So Madison is a cool place, but I, you know, a lot of the people that were there that are part of what we're doing are not, I mean, they don't live in the really cool places of Madison. I mean, they're, that's true. Yeah. There are a lot of surrounding places and, and you're right. They are working really hard to make things go, to make things work. And I, I, I love them. I mean, I, I get a lot of energy from them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I met some people from Milwaukee, so that was nice for me. Cool. And then the rest of the week, you were home at last, right? I was. Well, my in Minnesota, we have this thing called MEA, and they renamed it. But it's it's basically it's a um, it's a break where teachers are supposed to go and do training and stuff like that, uh, like have their union meetings and things. And I I grew up. My dad went back to school and became a teacher when I was in middle school and my mom when I was in high school. And I I can never remember them going <laughs> to any of these meetings, but. The nice thing about it as a, as a parent is you get a four day weekend with the kids. So yeah, I took Thursday and Friday off. Uh, Friday, I actually spent hauling wood, um, trying to clean up from the storm still a little bit, but it, we, you know, we had a nice family weekend and, uh, it was good. It was, it, after five weeks in a row of, of traveling, it was a really nice catch up. Good. And so this week you'll be in a couple different towns in Maine, right? Um, what are you going to be talking about there? Yeah, isn't that, isn't that awesome? I, I love Maine and I feel like so excited to be going back again. It's, it is in many ways like Minnesota, but with oceans and hills. So it's really, oh, no, it's, okay. like, it's everything I love about Minnesota, but just like a little bit nicer. Um, and a lot of, and the towns are so beautiful. So I'm going to be doing a curbside tat, uh, chat in Topsham. I think that's how you would say it. Yeah. Uh, I will be doing that uh, Wednesday night. And then Thursday, I'm part of a, a group that will be presenting in Brunswick along with Joe Minicozzi and others uh, as part of a conference um, being put on there. The, the information's on our website and you can still sign up. Uh, it's the Community Institute. And this is their fourth session on... Uh, community building and, and different aspects of, of building better places. And I'm going to be doing a morning session and then Joe, awesome Joe is going to be there and he'll be doing something around the lunch hour. So it's going to be really great. 
Cool. And it seems like from the people I've talked to, we have some really active members in that area who are helping to make all this happen. So that's we do. exciting. Well, Jane LaFleur is incredible. And uh, she is, I mean, she's someone I met years ago through the Orton Foundation, which is also active up in that part of the world. And Jane is, is just one of these really special people that makes things happen. And yeah, I mean, this is in the last uh, 12, 18 months, this is, I think, my fourth time in Maine. And we're really starting to build up quite a, quite a, quite a group of people there that are passionate about these issues. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting them and I'm looking forward to kind of expanding on the conversations we've had in the past. Excellent. Uh, all right. So tell me a little bit about your, your blog post from this morning. Did you read that? Yes, I did. <laughs> it's last week. Okay. Last week there was a, a, a Senator and I wasn't sure if he was a state Senator. And then I figured out, no, he's a, he's actually a U.S. Senator. I'm, I'm so divorced from politics that, you know, I don't like keep track of all 100 senators, but a guy named Chris Murphy from Connecticut, where incidentally I'll be the, the first week of November, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Chris Murphy, the Senator from Connecticut, uh, did this very interesting thing where he asked people, you know, give me your ideas about how to fix your commute. And he kind of live streamed his commute and had this ongoing back and forth with people about essentially traffic congestion. And we got roped into this because a couple of our uh, people connected to us started quoting us and patching us in on that conversation. And so I took some slides from our transportation in the next American city presentation and worked it into a blog post today talking about congestion. Uh, you know, we, as the backbone of our transportation network today is this thing called the hierarchical road network. And when you're in engineering school, when you're in planning school, when you write a comp plan, when you look at any city uh, set of documents, they, they almost all refer to the hierarchical system of roads. Little local streets go into uh, collector streets, collectors empty into arterials, arterials empty into major arterials, those empty into highways, empty into interstates. So it's this whole system where you go from small to big. And like we point out in our transportation in the next American city presentation, this is just like a river system, right? You have small little ditches run into brooks and streams, run into the small rivers, run into larger rivers. And we understand in these systems that when you get rain or you get snow melt, uh, and even if it's not very much, but it's just persistent over a period of time, but particularly when it all happens at the same time, it's not uncommon to get flooding, even catastrophic flooding in those major river sections, right? All this little bit on the edge adds up to a whole lot. It's the same exact system we built for our roads. And, and I point out in the piece We've actually created a system that manufactures the maximum amount of congestion possible. We take every car we have and we cram them into the same place at the same time every day. And so even a city as small as mine, 13,000 here in central Minnesota, we have a highly congested rush hour because we take every possible vehicle in the entire commuter shed and cram them onto the same handful of roadways at the same exact time. This is not optimized and it's not very efficient. And, and as I point out in the piece, the way we fix flooding uh, is we go way out on the edge and we say, we need to absorb this water 
here before it gets into the system and creates flooding in the, in the center part. And we need to do the same thing with our auto trips. We need to actually absorb those trips before they turn into rush hour trips. So we need to find alternatives for people, ways for people to replace trips with other ways of getting places, walking, biking, that doesn't involve a car. We need to be able to replace trips with uh, ways that doesn't require you to actually take the trip. So telecommuting, not going to the big box store, but ordering from you know Amazon and having them come at a non-peak time. You know, all, all these things kind of tend to add up as ways that we can replace trips uh, and and deal with congestion. What we're not going to be able to do is build our way out of it. I think we've proven over the last few decades that our efforts to spend billions of dollars adding lane miles and and, and you know massive projects to try to deal with congestion is just a fruitless waste of time and effort, and it actually is helping bankrupt our cities. Right. Even even if that was the solution, we couldn't afford to do it anyway. Well, we, we couldn't afford to do it. And we see when we do that, what we do is we tend to create uh, losers and bigger losers. So you you tend to get the one store that you know brings everybody in the in the commuter shed into it. And that city gets like a short term benefit in, in tax revenue. So everybody else in the commuter shed loses. All the other cities that lose out to that store lose immediately. But then the place that gets it loses long term because they will have to spend more in, in their own wealth to serve and maintain that site than they're ever going to bring in. And, you know, so everybody, this is a system where everybody loses. You either lose now or you lose later. And mm-hmm. yeah, we, we've got to, we've, we've, we've got to quit trying to fight congestion by adding more capacity. It's just, it's a, it is a fruitless self-destructive effort. I completely agree. Yeah. I think for my own life, I'm, I have this goal that I will never have to commute via car. And I've already done that, you know, when I was younger, but I'm hoping obviously now I just work from home, so I don't have to commute at all. But, um, the idea that everyone could walk or bike or take the bus to work is, I don't know. That's really ideal to me. Well, I've been on a seven-year kind of attempt to move to a place where I could actually do, you know, bike and walk. And I and I I bike to work in the summer. During the school year, I have to bring the kids to school, and from a timing standpoint, it just doesn't work because my my bike commute is 15 miles. I mean, it's not one I can right. <laughs> hoist on the kids. Um, but you know, this summer we were ready to we were ready to move to a place that would have been you know half a mile in easy walking distance to the office and mm-hmm. uh, before the storm hit and kind of destroyed that but you know it's it's one of those things uh, Mr. Money Mustache one of my favorite financial websites you know I can't he describes the car and I'm not, I'm not going to do it right so I'm going to discredit myself amongst his other listener or readers but he describes it as like a you know a, a money machine basically if you can bike uh, not only are you not wasting money on gas and, and automobiles and insurance and every other cost of a car, uh, so you're kind of like printing your own money, but you're making yourself like healthier in the process. So why would you not, if you had the opportunity to do that, take advantage of that? And yeah, I, I see more and more people using that logic. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win for everyone. It is. So uh, what have you been reading these days? Well, with the, the long trip to Madison and back, and uh, also um, Friday, 
I, I, in order to deal with all these downed trees, I actually spent a couple months cutting. And so I, I had all these logs laying on the ground and I had to move them. And so I rented this big machine that I could go in as a skid steer, go in and pick up these logs and trim them up and move them to a pile where they could be hauled out. Um, I got a lot of book time, audio, audio book time. So I finished a book called Overlord by Max Hastings, which is about D-Day. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot about D-Day and about World War II, and it's, a, it's, it's fascinating. But this book uh, is written by someone who has a long series of books on these topics. I read one of his on uh, the, the, um, the closing days in the Pacific in World War II, and it was so well written. And this one was the same thing. I mean, it was... It was gripping, it was captivating, it was really well written, and it gave me some insights into kind of the the, the wind down and the, the way that the average troops kind of dealt with the the inevitable once uh, D-Day happened and the, the Allies had established a beachhead. On on Friday then, I I went through this book called Waterloo, uh, which was about the uh, the uh, Napoleon's last battle. And that one too was fascinating because Waterloo is this kind of pivotal event where you had a, a century plus long battle between France and England resolve in England's favor in a way that really set up the English empire for the next hundred years. And I, I find both of these, you know, the D-Day and Waterloo, they're, they're fascinating in the context of the, the changing of the world structure, right? From a, a, a king, uh, you know, imperial kind of system, uh, after Waterloo into this parliamentarian kind of empire that the English had. And then after World War II into what really became the American century and what now has become the American empire. And you see the rise and fall and shifts of these empires from these great battles and these great, you know, kind of pivot points in history. And they're just, they're fascinating to me, particularly in the context of, of where the U.S. is at today. Um, I also uh, read a book called Contagious by a guy named Jonah Berger, which is about how to make messages uh, contagious from a marketing standpoint. And man, I have pages of things I'm going to share with you on that. And then... Awesome. Yeah, as part of my... Uh, my ongoing effort to read classics, uh, which I, I've not been like a, someone who digs into classics, um, but I have over the past few years kind of become more interested in, uh, I would say broadening my, broadening my library, but certainly uh, I, I've tried to add in one or two a year. Last year I read The Grapes of Wrath, which I really found fascinating. This, oh, that's a great book. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I got through... As an engineer, I got through university without having to read <laughs> very much literature uh, that I didn't, you know, voluntarily want to. So I, I missed out a little bit on what more classic, you know, liberal arts education will give you. But uh, this year, I picked up *A Farewell to Arms*, the Hemingway book, and uh, I'm—I mean, I'm half an hour from having that one done. And I have to say. N not nearly uh, Grapes of Wrath in terms of, like, I, I, 
I know some people love Hemingway, his writing style. Some people hate it. I'm probably closer to the latter category than the former. <laughs> uh, I find Steinbeck, I mean, Steinbeck could write the phone book and I would find it to be beautiful. Um, Hemingway, not so much, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting through it. It's good. I'm glad I'm doing it. Wow, four books in one week. That's pretty impressive. Well, that's what happens when you give me a couple of days off. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, I think that's everything we want to cover today. Um, but I want to welcome our listeners. If you have anything that you want us to cover in this weekly podcast, uh, just feel free to leave a comment on that sheet. Um, oh, and the last thing, of course, we want to give a shout out to our new members. Um, we have a bunch of new and renewing members, so I'll go through this list quickly, and hopefully I pronounce your names right. We have Connie Mosier, Greg Van, David Nelson, Matthew Robertson, Marilyn Adams, Virginia Small, Steve Wilmot, Bob Grew, Rex Hadley, Gisela Garetta, Trent Meyer, Shane Hampton, and Michelle Amberg, and these are people from all over. We got East Coast, we got West Coast, we got Midwest. So awesome. thank you guys so much for joining this movement. Yeah. And, and Shane, um, actually, uh, have run into him a, a few times now. He works at the uh, University of Oklahoma and is part of the group that brought us there, um, earlier this year. So nice to see him back in the, uh, I know he's been a member for quite a while. So very cool. Thank you so much. So thanks everyone for listening and I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. All right. Take care. Take care.